2: Pittsburgh Steelers fans, it is another episode of the Steelers Draft Fix. Andrew Wilbar, Jeremy Betts coming at you again with more draft information, more free agency updates, everything you need to know about the Pittsburgh Steelers offseason maneuvering as we approach the end of April and the NFL Draft. We have you covered here on the Steelers Draft Fix. Andrew, how are you doing tonight?
1: Well, considering we're
2: recording this right after my Wolverines loss, let's just say
1: that my blood pressure is about to NFL regular season football level right now. But nonetheless, ready to talk some football. All
2: right, if Andrew's a little edgy tonight, listeners, it's uh it's for a reason, okay? So, uh, just keep up with us, and uh, I'm sure he'll he'll uh, let out some frustrations by mentioning a few Michigan guys in our uh in our uh, draft. A look we're going to deep dive into the edge rushers in the second half of the show obviously there's a couple of michigan guys that are near the top of the rankings in 2022 at that position group but before we do that we're going to look at the steelers team needs heading into the draft after the first wave of free agency is over we're doing a team needs 2.0 If you want to go back, I believe we did it in our very first episode on the Steelers draft fix. You can check out uh, our Team Needs 1.0 and then see how uh, we've adjusted those uh, rankings as far as what the Steelers need as far as help this offseason to prepare for 2022. You can check that out. This podcast, as well as all the other podcasts that we have done so far is a part of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Your one stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers and Andrew. Um, I know I've mentioned before on my fantasy podcast some of my favorite, uh, some of my favorite podcasts uh, from BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, But I'm curious, do you have a couple that that you enjoy listening to?
1: Well, I haven't had a chance to listen to quite as many since I've been at college. But I will say that uh, Let's Ride is always a good one. Of course, that's oh yeah uh, one of the highlights of the morning shows with of course Jeff Hartman. Um, I haven't gotten to listen to very many of them, but the Stewart's cutting room floor with Jeffrey Bendik. I'm not a film guru by any stretch of the imagination. Um, and it's really good to get a uh, perspective from someone who knows what he's talking about when it comes to breaking down film. So uh, Jeffrey Bendick is uh, very interesting to listen to. I mean, sometimes I agree sometimes I disagree, but he he brings things in such a manner that makes it, it just makes sense to him. And he, you can tell that he's passionate about what he's talking about. Um, and it's definitely portrayed in his podcast and stuff. He definitely knows uh, he has so much knowledge about football that, and on the prime time, I enjoy, obviously, the uh, Steelers hangover with Shannon white, uh, bad, and uh, Tony Deffio. That one's a good one. I was on the scobro show uh, this past week. You can go and check that on YouTube or download the podcast. Um, and there's a bunch of other good shows. I mean, there's, there's something for everybody. If you're not a draft person, I mean, I assume you are if you're listening to this, but if you're not, (laughs) there's so many other podcasts related to the Steelers, it's not even funny. BTSC has a ton of great content every day.
2: Every day and not just in the podcast format. Online as well, BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Go check it out for articles, news, and updates about your Pittsburgh Steelers. All right. The first wave of free agency is over. We've gone through two weeks now, basically. Again, we're recording this Thursday evening And uh, there's plenty more that can happen over the weekend. But so far, the Steelers have had a pretty quiet uh, second week of free agency, making a lot of their big moves early on. And um, uh, we'll talk about this here in our team needs, but they addressed some interior offensive line. Uh, They addressed, obviously, quarterback, bringing in Mitchell Trubisky. And uh, they also... Uh, spent some money at the cornerback position so and linebacker too, Miles Jack coming in. So we did have um, several positions of need addressed in the early portion of free agency. So it's going to be interesting to see how the Steelers move forward with this. Andrew, I think that there is some movement in the team needs Going into the draft now and into the second, third waves of free agency, do you have a specific uh, position group that is probably moving up in importance for the Steelers to address? Well, when we get into
1: in terms of ranking needs, I mean, you'll know, you'll realize that cornerback is still high on the list. And Stephon Gilmore is still sitting out there in free agency. I would love to bring him in. The Steelers have the money to do it. But obviously, safety is the one glaring hole right now. Mm -hmm. It sounds like the Steelers are in on Tyron Matthew. Personally, I don't see the need for it. I think Terrell Edmonds is sufficient enough and it will probably come cheaper than what Matthew would come at. Uh, But we'll see what happens there. I don't think the Steelers are going to find their answer in the draft at safety. So it'll be interesting to see which direction they go.
2: Yeah, it will. Um, Safety is one of the shallower positions in the draft, not as many top-tier talents. You've got Kyle Hamilton. You've got uh, Daxton Hill, probably from Michigan, um, that kind of highlight the group. And then outside of that, it's some mid-tier guys that, um, provide depth really, especially early in their careers, but not a lot of a pop at the safety position. So definitely something I would, uh, rank as a high priority for free agency. The other one, um, that I think is moving up in the team needs list is wide receiver. And, you know, that (laughs) we'll talk about that in the, uh, the rankings here in a sec where it's actually placed, but it's, it's become a pretty glaring hole on the offensive side of the ball with uh, Juju Smith Schuster headed to Kansas city and um, James Washington headed to Dallas. Your top two receivers are Deontay Johnson and chase Claypool. And then you've got a bunch of unknowns uh, behind them. Anthony Miller kind of highlights that group. And uh, he's been a, um, he's been kind of a boomer bust type player uh, when he was over in Chicago. And then uh, the Steelers brought him in uh, to kind of be a speed guy, maybe in this offense. And uh, he's just been kind of playing on the practice squad and not really doing much. So the Steelers will need to address wide receiver. And I don't know for sure if that's going to be done in free agency. That seems like something that the Steelers love to draft are good at drafting. And in Kevin Colbert's last year, be really great to find another stud wide receiver in the, Uh, middle rounds that uh, becomes a just a solid contributor on offense for the Steelers in 2022. Did you have any other uh, position positions that you think have increased in importance as the Steelers have gone through a free agency so far? Not a whole lot.
1: They filled a lot of their needs. Um, We'll get into probably a couple once we get to the rankings, but really, yeah, defensive back is just the one position, one area that I feel they need to. Address still.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So they've addressed a few things. Um, would you consider interior offensive line as a need that has, has k- kind of fallen down a little bit uh, in priority at this point?
1: Yeah, I agree. I think Mason Cole's going to be a sufficient center. Obviously you have Daniels and Dotson at guard, maybe, you know, Dotson, it's so hard to tell because he always winds up in the doghouse for some reason. I'm not <laughs> sure exactly why. I don't know if it's just because of effort or what, and there are a lot of good guards in the draft, but I think there's too many other positions that could be addressed early on. I don't think you see the Steelers going after one early. And other than that, I mean, you still have Kendrick Green as well who can play center or guard. So I think the Steelers are pretty set on the interior of the line.
2: Yeah, I agree. They definitely have depth there. Um, rem- remind me, if are they bringing uh, J.C. Hassanauer back? Is he still under contract with the team? I want to say that they do. Gave him a tender, but I'm not sure if it's right. been signed yet or not. I I would need to look into that. Um, I'm not actually positive. Okay, Which yeah, I,
1: like I'm
2: here. here. <laughs> right, I, I'm not sure either. I want to say that they that they did tender him and uh, that he would be a guy that they would value the depth of and the flexibility of as well. They seem to be pretty set, uh, as you're saying there at the interior offensive line. So, um, some of the positions that have been addressed don't necessarily need to be as high a priority. So with that in mind, Andrew, do you have uh, like a definite top three that you think the Steelers still need to get into before we uh, or still need to address in the draft um, and remaining portion of free agency? I do. And my first
1: one, I have offensive tackle as the top overall need on the team. Uh, just because I'm not sold on what Chapumo Corfour brings on the right side. And personally, I still like Dean Moore better on the right side. Not going to happen. He's not going to move to the right side. And I really don't see a whole lot of great options in the draft as we talked about a week or two ago. So I, this is a position I really think you're going to have to hope you find maybe a mid-level guy in free agency. I believe my guy Tyrell Crosby is still available. He'd be a really good guy as a swing tackle. You have to add depth there. So I imagine the Steelers are going to add somebody in the draft. It's just a matter of when and I don't really see anybody early on Making a huge impact.
2: Yeah. The Steelers typically try to bring in a project at offensive tackle in the offseason, whether that be undrafted free agent or um in the actual selection process rounds one through seven. Um, they did that with Dotson, they've done that with uh Dan Moore, you know, it just even recent uh, situations that we see the Steelers making those types of selections. I would not be surprised if that is addressed as well. Uh, Who comes in or what position comes in behind uh, offensive tackle for you?
1: Well, I will say I did look up the JC Hassenauer thing real quick, and it does look like he was tenured, at least according to spot track. Um, He is under contract through 2022, according to their website. Um, So it looks like he will be around, but number two, I do have cornerback one is a need. Akela Witherspoon is not a number one guy. Levi Wallace is not a number one guy. You're asking for problems. If you're going to have both of those guys out there as the CB one, CB two, you need to add somebody in their elite, whether that's an Andrew Booth in the first round or Payne Stefan Gilmore. Those I think are the two ideal options. If you're the Steelers,
2: they are. And I love the Andrew Booth thought in the first round, obviously he'd be cheaper than going out and getting Stefan Gilmore And really a guy that has all the traits to become a top tier cornerback in the NFL. The Steelers haven't necessarily been known for their uh, defensive back prowess when it comes to drafting and developing. Uh, Maybe that changes a little bit with uh, uh, Terrell Austin as the main guy on the defense, the defensive coordinator in Pittsburgh. Now, Uh, maybe that changes, maybe not, but, um, Gilmore would be a sure thing right away, uh, definite shore up on the defensive backfield. And, you know, how much good would that do a guy like Minka Fitzpatrick to be able to um play the that lurk and uh attack kind of role that he was so good at when the Steelers first acquired him in 2019? I think that would be huge for Minka. Number three on your list, Andrew, as far as team needs go.
1: That's where I have safety coming in. And yeah, I'd already mentioned before, I really, I prefer Terrell Edmonds. Don't really see a lot of great options in the draft. If the Steelers wanted to bring in like an Isaiah, pull him out. They actually had a pretty solid uh, pro day. I believe he ran a four, five, one in the 40, had a really nice three cone time. Uh, he can play. I think he's going to play both safety positions in the NFL. He played a lot of free safety in college, but he plays with the physicality and the nasty demeanor that makes me lean toward strong safety in the NFL. So I think he can, he's capable of playing both. He'd be, but he'd be a depth guy though. You're talking sixth, seventh round, probably True. not a guy that you want starting.
2: Yeah. If they can't secure um, Tyron Matthew, if they can't re-sign Edmonds uh, to a deal, then I think they'll, they'll move that up in their needs. And I like a guy like Nick cross out of Maryland. Who's got a lot of speed, but he's a, a big body um, a true enforcer in the run game and a guy that can come downhill and, and assist around the line of scrimmage. Um, we'll talk about safeties in a different episode, but uh, it's becoming somewhat of a, of an issue that Steelers fans are watching because of the delay in finding somebody to fill that strong safety spot. Um, whether that be just re-signing Edmonds or, <clears throat> excuse me, reaching out in a uh, free agency further to other teams to uh, uh pick up somebody that is a quality player at that position all right so your top three is a little bit different than mine I see you've you've kind of bumped quarterback down the list a little bit uh, after the signing of Trubisky is that correct
1: yeah that's correct I don't think it's an immediate need obviously you're still looking for someone for the future but I believe is more than capable of being a good quarterback for at least this year and possibly next year
2: yeah I think that they're really looking at that and um you see a lot of people on Twitter, a lot of Steelers, reporters, and fans um, saying that the Steelers going to look at these quarterbacks uh, doesn't show a lot of faith in Trubisky. I think they're just doing their due diligence, and it's the most important position in football, and they would be remiss not to put a little extra effort into looking at the quarterbacks in this class, especially uh, considering that each one has a little bit of or each one is a little bit of an enigma as far as will they be good or not based on specific traits or um, height or hand size, you know, whatever that might be Uh, doing their due diligence at the QB position is very important. And uh, I think Tomlin Colbert and company, they uh, recognize that. And that is the reason why they have attended four straight quarterback pro days and four straight days. So it'll be interesting to see that. I, uh, kind of lean towards um, cornerback is my top overall need, uh, especially uh, as we approach draft day. Um, so you had them at number two, I believe, cornerback. And then for me at number two, it's offensive tackle. And then at number three, it is quarterback. I still think they should address the quarterback situation earlier with one of the top four or five guys, get somebody in the building to compete and, and to develop and see how that goes. Uh, what kind of rounds out your top five, though, as far as uh, team needs? I had wide receiver
1: and quarterback right after that. I think at wide receiver, you have some promise in Anthony Miller and Steve Sims. That's why I don't have it higher. I really like mm-hmm. both of those guys coming out. But obviously, you still need to add somebody there. Preston Williams is still saying out in free agency. Do you bring in a low-tier veteran to come in, or you know, do you just fix it through the draft? You know, Obviously, maturity has been a concern in the wide receiver room for several years now. But at the same time, the Steelers do know how to draft receivers, so you don't want to necessarily spend money in a position you know you can draft. Um, And then, of course, yeah, I already mentioned quarterback.
2: Right. Um, Wide receiver is my uh, fourth-ranked position as well. And then uh, after that, it's offensive tackle. I think that the Steelers kind of feel that they're in a good position at that that, uh, position. (laughs) And uh, they will probably add some depth. They'll go for a – tackle prospect in the latter portion uh, of the, um, of the draft, but yes, they'll address it. But I think that they, um, you know, whether we agree with it or not, they like the guys that they have in the building now and uh, they will make some moves with that in mind. All right. Um, That kind of wraps up the team needs. I think we're kind of seeing the focus of the Steelers as they, uh, go through the, the first portion of free agency and head into the draft. It's going to be interesting how they uh, continue to to look at it. And uh, we will be here to update you and get you all that information uh, on this podcast. We're going to come back here in just a minute after our break, and we're going to talk edge rushers. We're going to get an, into Andrew's top five, and then some uh, sleeper targets that the Steelers could be Interested in later on in the draft. Don't go anywhere. We will be right back. All right. All right. All right. Welcome back to the Steelers draft fix. It's time to talk edge rushers, Andrew, and the Steelers have the best one in the league in TJ Watt. What a season he just had. Have you ever seen anything like that before from a Steelers defensive player?
1: I really haven't. He was just feasting each and every week. And let's
2: not forget he had, he missed
1: two games with an injury and was limited and a couple others as well. So it's just amazing what he has done. And let, and I also got to give some credit to Alex Highsmith. A lot of fans have been getting on him as well. But you have to have someone who can take some of those run-defending responsibilities on the other side, manning one of the edges, making it harder for the running back to get outside the tackles. And Alex Highsmith did a really good job defending the run last year. Maybe the numbers weren't always there, but he was a solid guy defending the run, trying to help fill the void that Bud Dupree had left. In that role, and it really allowed TJ Watt to feast.
2: He he did. I, I wanted to mention that about Highsmith as well. That he was a very unselfish player this last year as a young guy. Really understood his role on the team, and I thought he played it very well. The Steelers' big problem in rush defense was up the middle. Uh, it was in the uh, in the center of that defensive line uh, where the weaknesses were because of guys that. Uh, being out or uh, injured and um, you know Highsmith has some room to grow as a as a rusher and I think he'll get there in that regard as well Uh, but definitely a solid run stopper and TJ Watt was just a beast Uh, that was the most torrid pace I've ever seen somebody rack up sacks and it was it was easily my favorite thing about the 2021 season in a fairly down year for the Steelers especially offensively so um Andrew, it's not a huge glaring need for Pittsburgh, right? It's it's not one of our top five needs. Uh, we just talked about on the, in the first half of the show, but it, the Steelers always like to find traits guys in the middle later rounds to bring in and try to develop at uh, the edge rusher position. Before we get into some of those guys, I want to know who your top five edge rushers are, and you can just kind of rapid fire those guys and give a little bit of information about each one because it is a a pretty good class at the top as far as edge rushers go.
1: Yeah, number five, I have David Ajabo from Michigan. This has just not been a good week for Michigan. He suffered a (laughs) torn Achilles at the Michigan Pro Day, and Jeremy Jeremy and I were talking about this before uh, we came on to record. It was so weird because, and Jeremy was the one to mention this on Twitter that literally nobody went to go and help the guy out after he was down. They just kept on going with the pro day, and, like nobody even cared what was going on. And I thought it was very weird. Um, but Ajabo has all the traits in the world. He's maybe has the highest upside of any edge rusher. Yes, even as much as Kavon Thibodeau. He has that same type of upside. He's still learning the game of football, but he's got terrific bend. He can convert speed to power as good as anybody, and he's very aggressive going after the football. I believe he had like five force fumbles this past year. Uh, he's just an aggressive player off the side. I really like his upside if he can fully recover.
2: Yeah, and he, he might be th- the most athletic of the group, too. Yeah, absolutely. That we'll talk about.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Um, at number four, I have Jermaine Johnson. Uh, he's. Added a little bit of weight, which is something that he needed to do. I still like him better as a 3 4 outside linebacker than I do as a down uh, lineman defensive end. But uh, he's got good bend as well. He's very long athlete, six foot five. Um, he can actually drop into coverage a little bit. He did a lot of that in high school in his early years at Georgia. Uh, then when he had transferred to Florida State, he was really designated to gain after the quarterback. And last year, 17 and a half tackles per loss, 11 and a half sacks. Of course, he didn't play the grace competition, but still great production guy in the middle of the first round could be a really good value. Travon Walker at number three. He's going to be I think he's best suited as a 4-3 defensive end. And I've found it very interesting because uh, Jeremy is the one who's doing the scouting report for the big board for the which is going to be coming out this week. Um, and, you know, I, from what I gather, you think he can play either or defense around the outside linebacker. He definitely has the athleticism, but I wanted to ask you one thing. It reminds me of a scouting report that I had back in 2017 with taco Charlton Mm. guy who had a lot of upside was bigger, had the mold of a four, three defensive end, but he didn't really do that well in that role and was really better suited as a three, four outside linebacker. Do you think that could be a possibility with Walker?
2: I think so. I think, um, an NFL team, if they bring him in to that type of system would actually, um, try to let him lose a little weight and really play to that speed and athleticism that he has. And, you know, his natural position might be that four, three D end, but when you get a guy that is just that fluid and that, um, quick in and out of his, his stance and can convert speed to power like that, he's gonna, he's gonna get put in a lot of different, um, mix-and-match formations on a team, no matter what their base formation is, he'll stand up, he'll uh, rush the passer from um, from the edge as a hand in the dirt, um, three-point stance defender as well. I think he's got a lot of potential in that area. He's probably um, the guy that's caught my attention most of the edge, edge rushing group because at Georgia, he was not asked to be They're do everything guy, but the, it's kind of like Jordan Davis too. They were so good in college, these two guys, but they still weren't used to their full potential. I don't think. And, uh, but definitely a top level talent and a guy I could see, uh, being pursued just because of his rare athleticism and rare, um, physical traits by teams that run a base three, four or a base four, three.
1: Yeah. I, I honestly, that's interesting. Cause I had really never thought about it in that perspective, but he has the athleticism to do either. He just was, we just haven't really seen him in an outside linebacker type role at Georgia. Right. It'd be interesting to see where he goes, but number two, I have Kayvon Thibodeau from Oregon. I had him at number one throughout the entire summer was my number one prospect. And then this year has six sacks, eight and a half tackles lost and two forced fumbles against Fresno state, California, Washington state and UCLA combined. Okay. <laughs> halfway decent games that right. he had to play, which were both against Utah. He just had one sack in those two games combined. He was still a disruptor. He had right. several tackles for loss, but he didn't finish on any sacks other than the one. And it just, you know, it, it, he left a lot out there. He left a lot of plays out there. He could have had, and it leads people to question, you know, is he a Jadavion Clowney? Is he taking right. plays off? What type of, you know, how high of a character guy is he? And, you know, I'm not, I've never talked to him. I'm not in a room with him, so I'm not going to speculate. But, you know, there are some concerns in terms of effort on each and every down when you watch them on tape. And that's why I have Aiden Hutchinson at number one. And when Michigan basketball loses and the refs <laughs> blow several calls and you have two players get injured in the same game and then oh, David yeah, Adjamo yeah, yeah. goes down with an injury, at least we can always remember that Aiden Hutchinson is the best player in this draft. About the only positive thing you can say about Michigan right now. Um, Don't get me started on Tom Brady doing a publicity stunt coming out of retirement. Uh, Anyways. uh, (laughs) His dominance, it was too much to ignore. And, you know, I, I don't think he has quite the ceiling that Kevon Thibodeau has overall athletically, but he is, has such good hand usage he has surprisingly good bend around the edge for someone built like he is. He's got um, – obviously, he can convert speed to power really well. Very good on the bull rush. He's someone that – he's not exactly a J.J. Watt, but in, he plays a similar style. Uh, he's – I mean, Watt, he could play a little bit more on the interior as well, mm. uh, not just a defensive end. I think Hutchinson's a little bit slighter than J.J. Watt was but they do play similar styles. They have similar hand usage. They're very feisty on the inside, very relentless. Um, those are just traits I love about Hutchinson. That's why he's my number one, not only player at the edge rusher position, but the number one player in this class.
2: Yeah, he's he's got all the potential in the world, and um, you mentioned it. He's got a high floor. He's going to provide you weekly production and uh, just be there on every play. And he might not end up being the the flashiest guy or, or the, the – uh, biggest splash play guy, but he's going to put in a decade of solid NFL work. And that's uh, that's quality production that you can count on. That's something that you should chase in the early portions of the first round. No doubt about it. I wanted to go back to a uh, Thibodeau real quick and just mention um, that uh, Daniel Jeremiah of NFL network made a very interesting uh, observation about Thibodeau. Uh, he had signed up originally to do, um, all of the drills at the combine and then uh, all of the workout stuff as well. And then he showed up and ran the 40 and then decided that he was done. And Jeremiah made the point to say that that's not usually what an athlete does. Uh, they commit to something, they do it unless there's an injury or, you know, something of or some extenuating circumstance that would require that to to change. Well, it didn't seem like that. That was the case for Thibodeau. And that was an interesting call for him to make, in my opinion, as a guy that's already got question marks about his, his passion and his, uh, you know, his drive on every play. I don't know if, if you heard about that or if you knew about that, but that was a, a very intriguing um, turn of events for me at the combine, which is why I kind of have uh, some wariness about him a little bit more as a prospect as well.
1: Yeah, I agree. I've, I've brought him down in the mock drafts the last, mm. I believe, both mock drafts. He slipped a little bit. I'm not sure where I'm going to put him. I'm going to have another mock draft coming out this week. Uh, so you guys will have to go and check that out behind the steel Your one stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, but yeah, I I really do not know. Does he go to the maybe the Jets at 10? That could be an mm. ideal landing spot. Does he fall that far? Right. I have, it seems like Trevon Walker's passed him up. So, you know, if Carolina or Atlanta or any team like that wanted to go for an edge rusher, you know, I have a feeling they'd go with Walker first. Giants, right. they're also in need of a pass rusher. I think they'd probably go Walker before Thibodeau.
2: I was going to ask you about that. I was going to say, if you had to pick right now who get, who gets selected first, um, who would you go with? But you're you're saying uh, Walker, right? Yeah, I have a feeling yeah. it's Walker. I still have Thibodeau
1: rated slightly higher, but it's not, uh, it's not super far apart anymore, and it seems like, Trevon Walker is one who's gaining more steam in NFL circles.
2: Yeah, absolutely. All right. That's enough of the top level guys. Cause I don't think the Steelers are going to be targeting some of those unless maybe uh David Ojabo falls, um, you know, to way late in the second round, which would be a huge surprise, even with the injury, you know, the Steelers might pounce because of value in that case, but they seem to be drafting for need a lot more in the, in recent years. And I think that that will continue. So, Let's talk uh, – let's kind of even skip day two because I don't think they're going to really focus on it on there either. Maybe some guys that you think uh, are potentially day two guys, but probably day three guys that you think the Steelers could target based on uh, traits that that could um, relate to NFL uh, success. I'll give you three
1: names here. One, D'Angelo Malone, edge rusher, Western Kentucky – Adam Anderson, edge rusher from Georgia, and then Jesse Luceda, edge rusher from Penn State. With Malone, he has a slighter frame, but he has good length. He was really good at the senior bowl. Shows impressive power for someone his size. Um, obviously, has good bend around the edge. Uh, he Still needs a little bit of work when it comes to becoming a finisher. Uh, but he has 17 and a half tackles for a loss this past season, again, at Western Kentucky. But still, that's an impressive number. Um, and then Adam Anderson is very interesting because he's had a lot of off field concerns, but he's got a lot of talent. He, he does have a slight frame. I believe he weighed in at like 236 pounds in his mm-hmm. pro day, but he ran a four, five, seven in the 40 at a 7.06 three cone time, a 39 inch vertical, and a 133 inch broad jump at his pro day. When I mean, the athleticism was off the charts, I mean, when you watch him at Georgia, I mean, he, he bursts off the line. Uh, and you know, obviously they had a lot of other pass rushers from Smith to um, Travon Walker. And you obviously had the interior guys as well, mm-hmm. but he has great burst off the line of scrimmage, got good bend. Um, he just needs to add a little bit more weight, become a little bit more powerful. And we've talked about Jesse located before in an earlier show. And he, you, these, he's one of those guys, you just have to throw the numbers out when it comes to testing as well as statistics. He tested horribly at the combine. And he doesn't have a whole lot of production when it comes to sacks. But the reason why is because he was playing a middle linebacker position. Most of the time for Penn state, he was rarely used as an edge rusher, but that's what his profile suggests to me. He plays like an edge rusher. He gets a good jump off the line. He has good bent coming around the edge. The few times that he actually did Uh, was very impressive, very smooth coming around the edge. He, he closes on the ball very quickly, a sound tackler, Holds up well in terms of setting the edge against uh, when he's facing the run. And he just has a good feel for getting after the quarterback. And just, there's just some guys when you just turn on the tape, they just, they're just they just in the groove when it comes to getting to the quarterback. They just right. seem to have this feel for getting around the tackle and getting to the quarterback and closing quickly. is one of those guys, you know, very rare that he had the opportunity, but he knows how to get into the backfield. I think he's going to be a really good depth pass rusher, probably a ro- good number three rotational linebacker and uh, on the edge. But any three of those guys are interesting. I would say Luceda is probably a guy, because of his lack of statistics and his poor testing, he could drop to late day three. And that I would probably consider the best value for the Steelers. Sure. Um, just because you also have to remember that since he did play inside linebacker, even though that's maybe not his best position for the NFL, he still can play it in a cinch. And the Steelers, you could make an argument that they could still add maybe multiple guys inside linebacker as well. So he could be a guy who could just be depth, maybe that ninth linebacker that makes the roster.
2: Yeah, that's a a very good point. Um, Just his position flexibility then uh, provides value that the Steelers would love to get their hands on, I'm sure. we got to give it to uh, the Penn State uh, linebackers coaches. I think after watching what Micah Parsons did in 2021 as a defensive player of the year candidate for real. I mean, the guy was insane, but what he can do off the edge and what he can do in the middle, Penn State knows how to give their – got or teach their guys position flexibility at the line pack linebacker position. You see that with L- a as well On a, to a lesser extent, obviously Micah Parsons was a, uh, was a next level talent at the middle linebacker position, but you'll see him off the edge a little bit more in 2022, I'd think in, uh, in, in Dallas there. So I think the Steelers could go the free agency route at uh edge rusher but it would be interesting to see how they play that because uh the melvin ingram thing uh bit them in the butt uh this last year and uh you know they've had some issues in the past bringing in guys to uh free agents older veteran players to be a third uh, pass rusher or a a backup running back uh talking about le blunt you know, uh in situations where they wouldn't be the guy after they've been used to being the guy. So, you know, some guys who are still available. Um, you've got KJ Wright, uh, you've got Jordan Evans, um, some of these guys like that that have a have been quality depth pieces on other squads that might come in and, and see themselves having a chance to do that for the franchise that is the Pittsburgh Steelers under Mike Tomlin and uh, Brian Flores and uh, Terrell Austin, maybe they jump at the opportunity to do that. But if I don't think that they're going to be able to go after guys like Anthony Barr or Melvin Ingram, again, who's, who's uh, up there or who's out there as a free agent again. Uh, just based on that, it doesn't seem to work very well to bring in vet guys who are used to being the guy as backups. I think the Steelers have learned their lesson a little bit there, and maybe they go off after a veteran, but a guy who's more used to being um, a complementary piece as opposed to the guy. So um, as far as we know, Alex Highsmith is the guy opposite T.J. Watt, and that's great. I think he's built for that role, and I think he's going to provide that for as long as the Steelers can keep him under contract. But they do have some options in free agency as well if they wanted to address it there. So I just wanted to mention that as we get into the um, next few waves of free agency when things tend tend to die down and contracts look very friendly for teams adding veteran help as depth pieces. Uh, Andrew, did you have any other guys that you wanted to take a look at? Maybe some guys that might go undrafted that the Steelers could target at uh, the edge position.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of guys. I'm
2: going to just
1: kind of do some rapid fire. Uh, one is Cameron Good from uh, California, six foot three, 232 pounds. He's a phenomenal athlete. Had a 39 inch vertical to his pro day, 463 in the 40, 691 in the three cone. Has good closing speed. Here's a guy to pay attention to Josh Onuhiogu, an edge rusher from Framingham State. Yes, there is a college, Framingham State, six foot two, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Six foot two are <laughs> 52 pounds. Um, he, had, he did 21 bench reps this per day, had a six nine flat in the three cone, which is that elite number that you're always looking for at the edge position, had a four one four 4 in the short shuttle, 34 and a half inch vertical. And he actually has a decent repertoire of moves. He can win with power, he can win with bend. He's a sound tackler. Very rarely does he miss a tackle in the backfield. The only, thing, the only knock I have on him is that he doesn't do a great job of disengaging from blocks, but he's an intriguing, day, uh, an intriguing guy to watch on day three. Eric Hansen, here's another college that you probably never knew existed. Upper Iowa. That doesn't even sound like a college at all. It sounds yeah, like a, somebody's uh, making education. stuff up around here. <laughs> but an address from Upper Iowa. <laughs> well, another... Another really good athlete, Cullen Wick, edge rusher from Tulsa. He's a 4'8 guy, not a super speedy guy, but he has good bend around the edge, probably more of a fit for a 4'3 team, Six three, two 267. Um, Zach Van Vilkenberg, he's a JUCO transfer from Hillsdale College, which actually isn't super far from where I live back in Michigan. Um, very good school, strong academics. He really came on with Iowa at the end of the year, really popped on tape. Probably best fit for a 4'3 as well. DeMarco Artis from West Florida. He's only 226 pounds, which is a bit concerning, but he can do a little bit of everything. He can rush the passer, drop into coverage. I'd like him to get a little stronger against the run, but you get what you ask for when you draft a 226-pound linebacker. The Steelers know from Sutton Smith. And then the last three guys, Carson Wells, edge rusher Colorado, Jake Lava, uh, edge rusher from Grand Valley State, and Josiah Erickson, edge rusher from Sacramento State. You will see a lot of these – lesser known schools you'll see some d2 schools get in there you'll see a lot of fcs schools in there um a lot of low fbs schools at the edge rusher position you're going to see a lot of those guys going in the sixth seventh round you see a lot of guys that go undrafted and i wouldn't be surprised if one or two of these guys stick under a practice squad or even an nfl roster
2: yeah Uh, of all the teams in the league when they go through their draft process the steelers tend to spend a lot of time and some draft capital and their UDFA um, contract allowance to bring in guys with traits. And that's what they're looking for. That's what all teams are looking for. Yes, but the Steelers are more inclined towards that. They, they trust their developmental process more than basically any other team in the league. Um, Most teams that you see now, are trying to build through known commodities through trades, free agency. That's kind of their motive. The Steelers have never been about that. They still aren't, and maybe that's the way the game is. What the game is moving to, um, but the Steelers are kind of, you know, holding back on that method. And they're 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 really still a draft and develop type of organization. And so they're going to look at these guys hard. You're going to see it, several of these types of players maybe even some of these guys that andrews mentioned uh come in as undrafted free agents as late round draft picks to compete and to learn and grow in a steelers uniform whether that be on the practice squad whether they surprise and and show that they've actually got the skills to to compete at the next level but that's what the steelers look for at every position especially uh the guys who rush the passer and uh, protect the passer. offensive tackles those edge defenders and offensive players they really like to to go uh trait searching and bring in guys who have the the physical attributes to be able to, to succeed and then try to round out uh what can be coached uh you can't coach speed right they say you can't coach four two speed you can't coach six foot five 250 pounds at an edge rusher so um, the things that they can coach, they will take those into consideration and go get the things that they can't. So that's something to, to keep in mind as we go through the draft process. Steelers fans, you uh, heard a lot of names tonight, right? I would encourage you to go look these guys up, uh, take a, another look at some of these names um, that Andrew has mentioned that I've mentioned as well, and uh, get familiar with the, the players, the future of the NFL the team t- players that the teams are going to be looking at, especially the Pittsburgh Steelers. You can follow Andrew and myself on Twitter and get even more information than you get in this podcast. My Twitter handle is the bets 93 T H E 93. And then Andrew, why don't you go ahead and throw yours out there before we close. It's at Andrew underscore Wilbar. That's Andrew underscore W I L B A R. All right. Did you have any final thoughts
1: before we go? I oh, got another mock draft coming up be sure to check that out and then big boards all these edge rushers that we talked about today you can learn a little bit more about them if you go and check out the big board that will be coming out this week with the edge rushers.
2: That's right and guys be nice to Andrew on social media platforms and in the comment sections he's been through a very tough uh fire fire Jawan howard right on and uh, by the end of this year hopefully he's not saying fire tomlin and uh so on and so forth for the Steelers. I can't but. say fire Colbert anymore after this year, though. I, I know. Yeah, I've had that for years is my motto. but Right. That hashtag is going to go away on Twitter, and it's a, kind of a sad thing. It was always funny to see, you know? It is. After he'd bring in some crazy good talent and then, well, whatever. You know you know how it goes. Fans are never happy. But anyways, that the, does – oh, go ahead. Just watch the Sears. We'll hire Matt Millen or is GM, and then yeah. I can just transition to that. There you go. Hey, Andrew's dream world right here, folks. All right. Well, that does it for us at the or on the Steelers draft fix. I hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back again next week uh, talking some more NFL prospects, more free agency, everything you need to know for the Steelers offseason. We'll talk to you again next time.